Hi there, and welcome to Live from the Cybert Institute. In this podcast, we listen in on conversations taking place among ministers, church leaders, and scholars as we engage issues facing Christians and church leaders today. We hope that this episode is thought-provoking and a blessing to you, because as with everything we do in the Cybert Institute, our mission is to equip church leaders and help churches thrive. Today's episode is part two of a conversation between Ashley Lankford, our online content manager at the Cybert Institute, and Amanda Box, a longtime teacher and minister who is the self-proclaimed communication evangelist at Box Communication Incorporated. After you listen, make sure to go back and listen to part one and then follow our podcast so that you get all the latest episodes from your podcast platform of choice. Let's get started. about conflict. Um, And Amanda, you brought up some great points. I love the point that as church leaders, it is time for us to get some training. Um, And so seeking out some uh, help with that. Um, I'm hoping you're going to share also one of my favorite techniques that I found very effective is the newscaster voice. The news anchor or newscaster phase is something that I probably teach every client because the nonverbal communication is such a powerful piece of how we read each other. Nonverbal communication is 65 to 90% of all communication. And it takes almost nothing for me to think you don't like me or you don't like what I said or you hate my idea. I'm guessing, of course, but I'm picking up on your nonverbals. And, and, and my interpretation is going to be fueled by my own insecurities. Mm-hmm. So that's probably bad information or it might be accurate, but the news anchor face is I train people just, just to look pleasantly interested. Mm-hmm. And of course, when I say that people look at me and say, do it. Well, it's really hard for me to do sincerely when people are looking at me because it's not sincere, you know, it's an act, you know, it really has to be there. But when I want people to know that I'm sincerely listening, when I'm not talking, because if you're talking, your face is going to naturally emote Mm -hmm. as it wants to. But especially when I'm not saying anything, if you've looked at your own face on a Zoom call, you're like, whoa. Wow. Yes. And (laughs) if you you think the words pleasantly interested, then your face changes. Mm -hmm. It's open. It's listening. It doesn't mean you agree with somebody. You're not some big clown with a big old smile on your face. It just takes the negativity off, which we think is neutral, but it's not. There's just no such thing as neutral. You're either intentionally positive or it's going to read negative. So that's the news anchor face. Pleasantly interested. So whatever situation you're in, if you're not talking, change your face. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I, I have to coach a lot of people. I need you to move your face. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's it. Well, simple. It it is. It is. So we talked a lot in the previous podcast about some of these kind of responses and how we kind of, um, when we're in conflict, what are some other things that you would love to share with our listeners about this idea of conflict prevention and communication? Yes. Well, I, look and listen to a conversation like most people watch a football game. Okay. I mean, I'm breaking it down. 
I eavesdrop everywhere at the airport, at the grocery store. Like I'm always taking in how people are talking to each other and just breaking down, breaking down what happened. There are a lot of X's and O's. And so when you know what's happening during a conflict, then that unravels a lot of it because I can see, whoa, that person is really scared. That's what's fueling this right here. And it just backs down my own defensiveness. I learned a lot from a book called Difficult Conversations. And I just want to, it's so, so good. Game changer. Yes. Very, very good. I wore my first copy out. I had to buy another one. (laughs) I used to teach from it. I use it all the time and would force people to read it. (laughs) Yes. I think I was one of those. You are. So in that book, it talks about these three layers. And and this goes back to this training thing. Not only do church leaders need to get training because they need to know how to handle it themselves. They need to get training for their church members. Because these are people we all know. You can pick out the troublemakers. They're never the ones that leave. Let's just name the elephant in the room. They do. They They do. (laughs) And... And and so everybody needs skills and people Mm -hmm. like that, they need discipline. Mm -hmm. And so their feelings, everybody's feelings are valid, et cetera. But you still have to know how to manage yourself in a professional manner, certainly in a Christ-like manner. So we we know conflict is going to happen, but how are we managing each other as that is happening? Mm -hmm. And people are terrible at that. Yes. Flat out awful. And so for church leaders to get some training, with someone, there's so many great trainers out there and it's a really fun day. Mm-hmm. It's such a fun day. So that's my commercial for get your people some help. Yes. You know, if we were all out there bleeding, right. church leaders would be out there doing everything they could. Yeah. And so it's, it's a really critical thing. And I am, that's again, that's why I call myself the communication evangelist. I mean, you hear it. Like I am preaching, yes. get them some help. They don't right. know what to do. Right. And causing a whole lot of damage because very, they don't know how to manage themselves. The yeah. And we've all, we all still have bruises from that too. Mm. It's, I mean, it's, it's yeah. bad. Okay. Um, so that going back to the book, Difficult Conversations, they talk about these three layers. So they talk about the what happened. Well, we rarely argue about did this or did this not happen. What we argue about is how should it go down? What should you have done? Mm. And so I think to really understand, and we did talk about this just a little bit on the first time, on the first podcast, you're not going to see it my way. Mm -hmm. That just backs it off immediately. That doesn't mean you're some awful, terrible criminal. It, it, It just means you see the world differently and you took that in differently And so there are lots of layers in between that, but we have to expect the reason we're mad is because we approach this differently. Mm -hmm. And, and that's not to say that I didn't make a lot of mistakes or that you didn't, didn't make a lot of mistakes. But once you understand that our perceptions and what you should have done and our own contributions go into that, then you kind of come to what is the truth in that we shouldn't see the world differently. And, and that assumption is that if you don't see it the way I see it, you're a liar. Well, that can be really destructive. Mm -hmm. We're sitting here right now. You have on a sweater. I have on short sleeves. I'm perfectly comfortable. Mm -hmm. You may be freezing cold. Well, you're a liar. 
if you're not comfortable like I am. I mean, that's how basic it comes down to. So that's one thing. We are going to experience the world differently. That causes a lot of conflict. Our own communication styles come into that as well because that's how we sh- how we think we should handle things. And then our own contribution, like everybody has a part to play. Right. Everybody has a part to play. So is it being passive? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> For most, for most people, it would be passive. For me, it's probably saying the wrong thing or being too defensive or, or whatever. But that's, you know, that we all have a contribution. Blame is really expensive. We spend a lot of time. We just want it to be somebody else's fault. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is, but if that's all we're working on, we can really leave a bad system in place. And we're not really working on everything we need to be working on. Mm-hmm. Feelings are a really big part of it. And people don't like to talk about feelings very much, especially I'm thinking for church leaders who are going to be predominantly male. Mm -hmm. Yes. Then we're all taught, you know, there's no crying in leadership, you know. (laughs) And I teach people there's a huge difference between being articulate about your emotions Mm -hmm. and being out of control emotional. Mm-hmm. But in in conflict, if you're not dealing with your own emotions, then you're not telling the truth about everything. Right. And it's your call what you choose to talk about. Mm-hmm. I never twist anybody's arm. You've got to share. You've got right. to spill your guts. No, you don't. But you do have to recognize, all right, the reason I'm mad is because I'm hurt. I'm mm-hmm. embarrassed. I'm insulted. I feel abandoned, whatever those are. And then I can, once I kind of recognize those, I can kind of get my mind around and make decisions about what I'm going to choose to say and how I'm going to choose to say it, if I want to say it at all. But this idea, and I've certainly been guilty of it, in church we are very, I think, conditioned to, to not be the troublemaker, Especially right. women. Oh, absolutely. Submissive. <laughs> well, we only have a few minutes. So, yeah, you know, all of those. Another, that's a whole other podcast. It is. But it all goes into it. I mean, we're all taught not to be the troublemaker, mm-hmm. which can make us kind of diminish our own anger or just not want to admit when I'm hurt, not want right. to admit when I'm mad. And certainly that limits how we're able to talk about it. So, Feelings matter, mm-hmm. and if you're not dealing with those on some kind of functional level and acknowledging other people's too, then you're leaving a big chunk of the conflict unresolved. out, unresolved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, uh, in my experience, because if your church is functioning like Christ developed the church, you are functioning as a family. And so I think there's a lot more, there's love and um, and sometimes, you know, that relationship's a little different. So at work, we may have no problem having these conversations, these hard conversations, but we come to our church family, and when something's gone awry and mm-hmm. we feel attacked by someone in our own family, and I've yeah. heard a lot of times when I've seen people in those conflicts, that they're like, I just can't believe my sister in Christ did this. Yeah, it's a great point. And in our own families, because we have enough foundation of positivity. Like I chose my husband. Right. We didn't just land in a building. Yeah. 
you know, my children are in my body, so I'm right. a little invested, a little bit, you know, a with bit, them. So, and we have day in, day out of conversations mm-hmm. and conflicts right. and life. And with our church members, you just don't have that quantity. No. And sometimes that's what it comes down to. So that's what I mean when I say you can, you can judge the level of relationship, the closeness, the distance by the conversation. Mm-hmm. So investing in those relationships, especially with the people that I know, but the ones that get on our nerves the most, mm-hmm. then that's going to outsmart a lot of conflict. If I can just work on those relationships and for church leaders, especially for the ones that have the biggest potential to cause um, organizational harm. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it's because they need discipline training and foundational types of work and not just everybody avoid that troublemaker because that allows them to have too much power and they can just do a lot of damage because they're left unchecked. Because nobody knows how to handle it. Now, we talked a lot about your, I'm getting the drift that you like for people to be trained in your communication. <laughs> Can I say it 50 more times? 50 more times. That what if a church listening to this is like, we're past the point of even needing training. Like, we need intervention. Yeah. What are some signs as a church leadership? Like, this is, a, some conflict is occurring, and we need an expert to come in and walk alongside us, get us to sit down at the table and facilitate a conversation. What are some signs that you're like, when clients call me and this, this, and this are happening, it is time to bring some an outside source in? Well, you just said all of the things. If one group is not talking to the other, if they're, if you see groups forming and they're adversarial, if the leaders don't know what to do, then, you know, it's not too late. Right. You can call somebody in like me and, and we sit down and we say, okay, you know, we'll meet with individuals first. Tell me what you want to happen here. You know, this is one of my little pocket phrases, best case scenario, what would you like to see happen? Then I go to the other person, you know, this is a series of questions and, and I ask them the same thing and almost 9.9 times out of 10, they want the same thing. Mm. And I don't know that for sure. Right. But it is true. A lot of times we're all trying to get to the same goal. We just have a different pathway. That's right. And, and, and it gets adversarial because we don't, we forget we are on the same team. Mm. And so then we just come back. Okay. Well, what are the you know, what are the steps in that direction? You know, we talk about, okay, tell me what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking at that. Okay. You tell me what happened. You tell me what happened. I can tell you right there where the conflict really went off the rails Mm -hmm. because they tell their stories so differently. Right. I mean, boom, right there. I can tell you what happened. I can tell you their personality. I can tell you why that went wrong. Mm -hmm. And then, okay. So what's your contribution to that? What do you mean? He did everything to me. Right. It doesn't work like that. Right. So then we try to encourage slash force a good chunk of humility right there. You know, everybody has a part to play. What's your part? Was I too defensive? Was I uh, uncooperative? Was I hostile? Was I passive aggressive? Was I avoidant? Was I, what, what was it? Mm-hmm. If an employee is late every day for three years, well, I've allowed that for three years. Then right. I'm going to crack down and, and blame you as being a professional. That's not the whole story. Right. And then, okay, well, what do you want to see happen? Well, what do you want to see happen? Okay, and then what are you willing to do? Mm. 
And I never know what people are willing to do. I know what people can do. And I will say that God can heal and God does. I mean, I've gone into meetings. I've been flying out places on the phone the whole time, not sure people are going to show up. But if I can get them in the room, I've done a lot of praying. Yes. And this is for corporate work. Yes. I certainly pray more, you know, when I'm working with um, with my own church, uh, yes. you know, family and leaders, et cetera. And if, if they're willing to engage, then you know what? We find a way. Mm-hmm. And is it, is it, you know, you just put a big bow on that meeting? No, it's lots of conversations. But once people find a way out, they find out the other person's not a total monster. And, and you just kind of, unravel it unravel those assumptions get some honest conversation and honestly not a lot like I'll put a clock on them all right you've got five minutes to tell me this story ding your time's up because I'm not going to allow anything to get hijacked Mm, that's a really good point and I set all those protocols out before they know exactly what's going to happen and it's always just shockingly positive when we leave that room that we're far better off. And it's not me. It's because I've prayed for that to happen, but they're willing to engage. That's really the point right there. So I think that's a big point. Mm -hmm. And you asked about what signs are you seeing when you see people backing out, Mm -hmm. they're backing out of volunteering. They're backing out of, of being there more. They're not coming to social events that the conversation is awkward. Then those are really all symptoms. Yes. And so the sooner you can get in there, if it's on a low level, you can, like we talked about the first podcast, just get in there and go listen, take them to lunch. Mm -hmm. And then you're, as leaders, we always need to be working on relational maintenance anyway. You know, being a church leader is like herding cats. (laughs) We, people want us to fix everything, but they're not going to do anything church leaders say. Of course not. (laughs) Oh my goodness, being a church leader is no cakewalk. It's hard. I read some book the other day where this military leader, and it was just some book I was reading. It was a a novel, so it wasn't historical. But she went to this certain place to get the oracle about when she was supposed to attack on what day and how to do it. And I was like, the person who wrote this book could not lead a kindergarten class out to recess. They've never led anything. Yeah. Cause they don't do what you told them. To they do. don't do anything. Yeah. They're, I mean, you church as a church leader, I was just praying that I was doing the right thing, praying that I was working on relationships and leadership is hard. It's painful. It's lonely. And we can't say no to God, so we do it anyway. You know, and conflict is part of that. So managing ourselves, working on the issues, and then understanding what it does in here. Mm -hmm. Every conflict, we just have this little identity quake where it throws us off balance. It throws us into defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And so if we can click into the puzzle that I talked about a little bit last time, okay, here's a conflict, here's an opportunity, we need to get some information. Yeah. Let's let's see how we can put this together. Let's see what we can understand, get a clear path forward. And then there is an art to the conversation where you can just with a few sentences be very clear. Mm-hmm. Here's what happened. Here's what I'd like to see happen. Are you willing to do this? And what do you think? Then once you learn that structure, 
then you have the structure. Mm-hmm. And so once people kind of have that, then it's such a comforting thing. It's like a security blanket because mm-hmm. what people tell me all the time is I just didn't know what to say. Right. So they don't say anything or which is passive, not good, still right. a defense. Right. Yes. Or they are overly aggressive in their language and attacking well, that's worse. I don't know about worse, really. They're both bad. At least if I'm yelling at somebody, that's still engaging. If I just ride off into the sunset, then that's the most difficult thing to manage. You have to get people engaged somehow. So then you're just trying to be brief and clear and articulate. And that includes the emotional part of it, too. And, um, and then you just go from there. I'm, I don't even know what our time here is, so I'm not sure how much time. Just a couple more minutes. Well, I just want to say get some training. Yeah. (laughs) Coming back to training. But I do also like this as far as getting the training, but also I love how you really present with this, this conflict prevention is using it and making it a habit. Yeah. Using that skill set of like trying to explain what I want, what I'd like to have happen, being clear. Like, I think once you start using that in the daily, in your everyday life, yeah. in all the conversations you have, then when we're in that conflict, our response is to that is our safety. Like you said, that's your blanket. That's yeah. That's where you feel comfortable, not the defensiveness. Yeah, great point. And that, we call that the desca. That's a certain yes. structure for how to say things. But we pretty much outlined it, or if somebody wants more information, I'm ridiculously easy to find. Yes, and um, you could also have her come. You could do more training. <laughs> <laughs> that's the theme. Well, you know, I, I just want to come back to that. That's, you know, people that are professional anything or, or, or just great at things. They don't just think about playing basketball. They practice that. They work at it every day. Olympic athletes who are at the top of their field, they work hard, really hard, insanely hard to get better and better and better. And so this idea of practicing out loud, of the training that we've hammered, you know, this, this time and last, we just can't operate under the delusion that our good intentions are really going to provide the skill that we need in that moment. And everybody's capable. It's conflict is always, I think we fear it worse than it actually is. I mean, I know we do because there's such a pride in my clients when I'm walking them through something and they're terrified in the beginning. They're like, you know what? That wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. I think you're exactly right. I think when it comes to conflict, sometimes we have, it's going to be this, like we, worst case scenario, it's like a drama in our head. Yeah. Into these conversations. And then when you just articulate like, you kind of hurt my feelings, you know, and they go, Oh, well that would make sense the way you <laughs> reacted. You know, a lot of times we, and, and I think in churches we do, we don't have those difficult conversations and we avoid them because we feel like for some reason we have read between the lines of scripture that that, that is healthier to just avoid the conflict than to, and I mean, that's not Christ's example at all. No, it's not. And I think too, the final thing is like, once I bring something up, then I'm going to really anticipate and expect that you are going to be defensive. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not going to take that bait. Mm -hmm. I understand why you're defensive. It's the same reason I am. I'm just not going to react to it. You know, I went to um, a beach 
and I kept getting knocked down by these weeny little waves and I got tired of that Mm -hmm. and finally I was like I just turned to the side and I just let that wave go right by me and I stood up every single time and I I think about that when others are throwing insults Mm -hmm. at me in particular I think about that when people are being defensive in my head I'm at that beach and I'm just turning like this I'm just letting that go right Mm -hmm. by me because I'm so laser focused on finding out what's going on with you so I can understand that by being assertive about what I want to see happen here too Mm -hmm. and just not being distracted by all of the defensiveness that I understand is coming from you and I'm trying to to tamp that down in my own responses because all that stuff does is get in the way and you know Christ was so perfect at that Mm -hmm. and he didn't he only talked about what he wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Other people were poking, prodding, right. insulting, and he had one job to do mm-hmm. and he was he, he never got distracted from that, especially in conversation. So yes. that might be a good place to end. I think so. Thank you so much for your expertise and um, and sharing with us some of these skill sets and hopefully all of our listeners now have a few things to pull, and they all know they need to go get trained. <laughs> I have a whole list of books. We may add that to the, yes, the we'll research. Get, we'll link that yeah. Resources. Okay. All right. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening today to Live from the Cybert Institute. We would love to connect with you on our social media channels, and you can always find all of our various resources at our website, cybertinstitute.org. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on your platform of choice, then share it with your friends. Until next time, may God bless you in all that you do.